0: The views on this podcast are only the views of the people expressing them, even though they're right, you fuckers. Oh yeah, we also curse.
1: us communicate better with you guys
0: because communication is important we have a shiny new website we have the facebook page which is a fun place we're sharing all kinds of exciting things there do you want if you want tiny tiny tidbits of rants that's where to that's where to go because i share shit to the page all the time trolls don't come at us because i'll eat you um
1: that is the fact Um, yeah Facebook is where we are very active in just general communication Um, the Facebook page is located at www.facebook.com forward slash we all have an X chromosome now the website which is all shiny and new which will also link you to our Patreon and PayPal because we got those up shiny and new um, is www.xchromosonepodcast.com
0: You can also find our email address on our shiny new website. So please email us. We do respond. Bill is a busy bee with all of the typing. He's very good about responding. And if he doesn't respond, it's probably been kicked over to me. And I'm a dip and have forgotten. So please email us again and be like, hey, did I fall in a hole?
1: Yep. That would just easily go to write us at xchromosomepodcast.com yes i did so get that get... fixed
0: excellent we have a root everything works now <laughs> we're doing better than some MMOs. um but yes uh yeah i went there i'm rude sorry oh, sorry
1: <laughs> yeah check out everything like that especially we i'll be honest i've been putting money into this podcast um out of all the other podcasts that i've done i've done more to self-start this podcast than any other podcast. Um, I mentioned it on Facebook that this is a labor of love, um, and we want everybody to support us so we could build this a lot better and sound better, do everything better. (laughs) I might have a way of words when I'm writing, but not when I'm talking.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we will see. Talking is just writing out loud. So I don't understand what your problem is. We'll figure it out.
1: My fingers write faster than my mouth
0: does. Hi, right, that's fair. I mean that's that's one of those things we will be getting into in your intro episode, which is what you're getting today is you get to hear me talk to Bill about writing and depression and not taking his damn meds and we both have adhd so when we're random spazzes, you know we've both forgotten Um, and we apologize but not very seriously Um, tons of feminism imposter syndrome which we both suffer from that's fun um i also do a little uh Lit um, literature review slash Reader's Advisory with him because at my core I am a librarian and I just can't stop that shit. Um, I will fact check you into the basement. <laughs> <laughs> my degree is the folding chair that I bust over your head,
1: and I used to have a wrestling podcast on top of it.
0: <laughs> I had to, I I I'd know just enough of wrestling to make slightly witty comments like that just to make Bill feel like his weird fetish for people in spandex and covered in oil isn't
1: creepy. And to think exactly. the wrestlers I prefer do not wear spandex and are covered in oil.
0: I stopped paying attention in the 80s when everybody was spandex and covered in oil, so... Oh, they're still the there. I'm just I saying.
1: I just don't like the wrestlers that you are like just that. just deal- <laughs> But anyway, also I want to add... Like, subscribe, whatever platform you're doing. Yes.
0: Oh, are you doing that? Are you trying to pitch things? Let me help you. Look, this is a business thing, and business is boring. I know you want to listen to us shoot the shit and be angry about all of the bullshit that's going on. And there's a ton of bullshit. We're not going to be able to cover it all today. So much bullshit just today. Um, but business stuff uh, to help us be able to bring you a better podcast. We need you to like, subscribe, rate, review. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you can do that. That tells the little algorithms that people are paying attention. That'll help us get sponsors. Sponsors mean we can do more, more cool shit for you. We don't even. I don't even care what you put in the review. You can tell me that I have an obnoxious voice. I don't care. I'm not going to read them. Because really, if you had something important to tell me, you would either contact us on Facebook or email me at the podcast. So tell me your favorite Again, dinosaur. do email Don't is care. Write
1: us at xchromosomepodcast.com. Well, if you want me to ask you about um, it, please email. Not only just write us about the podcast, feel free to ask us questions, share us stories. We're going to go through and talk about issues, not only pertaining to the world, but to our listeners, too.
0: Yeah, we have the ability and or the uh, uh, stubborn, stubborn bloody-mindedness To go through and actually talk about this shit and take the heat, so please shoot us email. And we'll have people to take the heat with us. Well, we'll have guests, but we'll still eat the heat for those guys. We are getting somebody needs to clean out our inbox because it's a hot mess up in here. Yes, well, our
1: inbox is that hot mess is me going through with all the construction for everything technologically wise.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, we're losing. There's like cool people email in here um i did put out on my personal page to ask some of my uh my male identifying friends what sort of things they have encountered from the uh the toxic masculine tropes that have made their lives shitty what have they seen that's non-toxic how are they fighting this shit Reverend Doug Hagler, a friend of mine, had started this manliness blog, and I don't know how far he got with it, but one, I want to shout him out for actually actively seeking and researching modern men that are paragons of manly virtue, and I'm saying this from a classicist perspective, you know, they're that, the thing that is the essence of what a good man is, and he had some cool profiles on there. So hopefully we'll be able to get him to admit that he wants to talk to us and he can talk to us about that project. Cause it was pretty damn awesome. Um, but we all have lives and some of us are shy, but other, you know, we've got other people writing us as well, telling us their stories. So we do want to hear from you and we do want to make this about, real people and real stories and what we are really doing to make the world a better, less awful place for everyone.
1: While we're waiting for everybody to help us make the world less awful, it's t- now time to go to the awful part where you have to listen about me for a couple of hours.
0: I mean, you can skip some shit. That's fine. I'm not going to hurt you. I'm not going to feel skip my hurt parts. at all. <laughs> no, no, no. Don't skip his part
1: that being said about targeting i've now made a folder in our inbox that says not spam for noel to read so she could ignore everything else other than that
0: Not spam <laughs> yay that's exciting because a
1: lot of this a lot of the stuff is business stuff and if there's important business stuff it'll also be in that folder <laughs> so on with the introduction
0: second introductions and I this is so far out of my idiom that there's there's just it's just not my thing to be leading off however this is gonna be super edited so you're not gonna have to listen to all of my stuttering and um, discomfort with being on the spot for leading into this as regular listeners of the podcast know I did an interview in episode 13, it is, I believe. Yes. Okay. Yep. Yes. <laughs> Thanks for the confirmation. <laughs> but
1: to be fair, you're the first volunteer for this. Oh, time.
0: good. I'm a sucker. So I did an, I, and uh, Bill here, our fearless host, asked for volunteers to interview him. And I said, sure, why not? Because Turnabout is fair play. Um, and so here we are. I'm running an interview. And we will see what we can learn about our host. We put up a questionnaire on Ask FM, And nobody responded except two people. One of whom was incoherent. And the other of whom asks, Do you have a person who can make you happy? Yeah, we're going to start off with some hard shit. So uh, buckle up, sunshine. Yeah, this is in what's your Hogwarts house? Um. No, we all know your Hogwarts um. house. You you just you like every Hufflepuff on the fucking planet is all like, "Hey, Hufflepuff. Hufflepuff." And you're nuts about it. It's ridiculous. We sell out of Hufflepuff pins first. And forever because you're ridiculous. And everybody knows all, all the basic shit about you. This is for the good things. The deep cuts, so...
1: See, the thing is, it's like you say that, but I've learned some basic stuff from people I've interviewed that I didn't know, because it just came out in a portion of an interview during the deep cuts. And they're like, wait, you didn't know that basic shit about me? (laughs) And I'm like, no, I
0: didn't. Everybody knows your Hogwarts. Uh, Person that makes... (laughs) Person is there do you have a person that can, who can make you happy there is no designation that it's a romantic partner so the field is open there has to be somebody
1: there are people that i could be around that do not take away my energy I wouldn't say that it makes me happy, but I do like to be around
0: them. Um. Okay, what is the difference between that and being happy?
1: I've been basically in such a quote-unquote dead zone that it's been difficult for me to really go through and pull positive happy emotions from people so to speak um there are p- things that i do to be happy or feel happiness and things of that nature um and there are people that i am happy that they're in my life but it's not that I have a specific person that, or people that I go to, that I know that I will be happy being in their presence. As I do like to be around people, I do try to be around people that I can have positive interactions with that don't go through and emotionally drain me. Um people like I people that I've interviewed already on this podcast, for example, of course. Um like uh, Eric and Will. Um in fact I'm gonna be moving in with a Will in January. Um my friends Milky and Donnie. Um we keep talking about redoing the wrestling podcast, but that coordination is like forever an issue because everybody that's involved with that have different times um there's other people that i'm going to be interviewing that i like being around that if they ask me to go somewhere i'll be like yeah let's go because deep down i do like to actually be around people but i wouldn't say there isn't anyone that there right now that makes me just think complete happy thoughts. Um, I have really, honestly, basically everybody that I'm going to list, I'm either, I've either already interviewed or I plan on interviewing. So it's like, right now everybody that has been interviewed is pretty much a good chunk of that. Um, especially with their local people.
0: Okay. Um.
1: But no one I could say. When I think about them, I think it, I'm, I'm around them. I'm completely, utterly
0: happy. Does that make sense? A little bit. Um. It sounds like that's part of where yeah. you're at emotionally recovering from the bullshit with all that. Um, you had a pretty rough roll, rough uh, road there for a while uh, with that past relationship, uh, your housing situation, uh, a bunch of stuff like that. So it's not a surprise. See, I put I put so much energy like
1: into work that when I'm outside of work it's like I just can't even anymore. So because work is basically my like my only real escape.
0: (laughs) So the past four years have been a tough four years. I've been in similar I know how it goes so you're not at a point where you can say someone makes you happy because you haven't recovered from the someone who made you super unhappy and we're not gonna name names mostly because I don't know it <laughs> and that's um, lucky for her um, I- yeah we're gonna make you talk about shit <laughs> sorry <laughs> basically it, it's not even really that um
1: it's really going from that into the next two years um there ha- i've been around basically so much of a negative energy just to get out of that that while theoretically and everybody said it's will say no it's not theoretically um it's better that way at the same time it's worse um because when you feel that you really have nothing going for you it makes things tough Mm-hmm. So you have to go through and try to find things to latch onto to continue to being able to move on. Um, to try to do things, to find things with yourself and things of that nature. Um, between therapy and working on this podcast, working on other podcasts. Um, it's been something that I've been able to at least keep, a uh, watch over. Um, it's something that I could feel that I could, that I put, can put something out into the world and hopefully make a difference
0: in some way, so to speak. So, yeah, we're probably going to talk a lot about your depression. I was going to be like, so, feminism and where it intersects with issues that men interact with. And this is going to be a big feminism thing and I was going to watch you go all adorable about that, but that opening questions kind of rough. And oh, well, with feminism, that's a lot easier to speak about. <laughs> well, yeah, because it's not your emotions. But I don't think people are going to come well, here and want to hear of just a an angry fe- two angry feminists. Well, so that would be a hilarious podcast concept.
1: I'll pull. I'll put on a poll. Would you like to hear a podcast called Two Angry Feminists" with just talking about feminism?
0: One being a guy and. <laughs> Guy feminists and girl feminists. Woman feminists and male (laughs) feminists. Intersectional feminism. It's a thing. It should be the only thing. Anything that's not intersectional feminism isn't feminism. There. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk.
1: (laughs) Yeah. um, Alpha Rift, uh, he had put a post on his um, personal Facebook. Someone made a comment that the world doesn't need more male feminists they only need they need more women involved in feminism and he was like here's this thing that someone says discuss
0: (laughs) and it went it got discussed (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure it got ugly um It's not about women. I'm sorry about the coughing, ladies and gentlemen. I've had Mm -hmm. a cold for three weeks, and this is the tail end of it. If I laugh, I cough. If I breathe too deeply, I cough. Don't get me a pillow. That's only funny for Silent Hill fans. Um, I'm fine. Don't you come near me, James. I'm going to be okay. Um, uh, So... It's not that we need men or women involved in feminism. We need people. We need people to realize what's going on. But this isn't about me. This is about you. And you're deflecting. So, your take. Because you post a lot of stuff that's fairly on point. Feminism-wise and intersectionality-wise. How did you get so woke, white boy from New England? I, I, well, technically I'm a white boy from New Jersey. Oh, that's that's even worse. I mean, that's even worse. (laughs) My husband is a white boy from New Jersey. It took years of beating (laughs) him over the head. So, Um, white boy from New Jersey, your story, how did you become a feminist? I don't know.
1: Well, that's literally the reason why this podcast exists what because, about because i don't know if i'm a feminist because i live in one of the most liberal cities in america in liberal new england boston around all these liberal friends with liberal ideas and liberal anything,s or If I actually believe this because I have this ongoing fear that like, if you drop me in the middle of Alabama, my views might be completely different. I don't know if my views are really about survival, which I hope they're not, but I part of me believes that they are
0: or not. You have a pretty healthy case of imposter syndrome. I mean, we're gonna have to take a lot of work to burn that sucker down. But something about it resonates with you because it's not you. When you enter into conversation in other spaces, I've seen you do this. I've seen you do this in our Discord game. I've seen you do this on Facebook. But the places I see you interact. You have no reason to do anything except for it pleases you. That's the neat thing about only knowing you online and knowing you through the interactions I know you. You only do things because they're in character, you feel strongly about them, or it pleases you to speak. Because otherwise you wouldn't comment. So what is it about the feminist-related stuff that you post that resonates with you that makes you want to share it? I think this
1: goes back to sort of like being Hufflepuff, if you think about it this way. Um, I am a straight white man. I am a cisgendered white man. And... I have friends that have to deal with other straight, cisgendered white men, and they're bullshit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) (coughs) (coughs) Sorry. Just keep keep reading your sermon there, Reverend. Keep going. You're fine. (laughs) Um...
1: And a lot of that has to do with general toxicity within the I wanna say the male gender, but it or the white male gender, but it really is the male gender. Um I I do Movember every year. It's the only time I shave my face. Um At first, I was doing it because of just general depression. Um, This was even before these last four years. I've been doing it for like eight years now. Um, But first it was just for like general depression and men committing suicide and things like that. But as the years progressed, it's really about men being afraid of... Going against their stereotype of what it is to be a man, which leads to all of this, these issues. And if more men realize that it's okay not to be manly, so to speak, um, it's okay to go through and cry at a wholesome meme, or um, be able to like give each other a hug just because you're a friend or someone like that. If a lot of the barriers that men face emotionally and mentally get broken down and they start realizing that it doesn't make you less of a man to have like a woman as an equal, which for a lot of men They think that being an equal is you take care of the house, I go make the money. That's not it. It's – the human race needs to be in a partnership. We're not property. We're not – people are not property. They're not lesser beings and things of that nature. And a lot of my angles with the thought pattern is that you have to break the the male aspect of things – as much as I complain about school, um, I had a class for um, I I had one of my classes. I I don't remember which class it was now, but I had to go through and write this big paper in regards to regard in sh- for Shakespeare. Um, that was that I had to pick a play and use something about today's world and write a paper about I use uh, uh, Cordelanus. Mm-hmm. I can't pronounce the name still. Um, and basically I wrote about the toxic masculinity within the, the play. Um, and probably as an academic paper of any academic papers I've written, that was probably the best one that I have written in mm-hmm. that regard. Because <clears throat> um, I didn't really have to pull much from research, just to prove my point in that regard, but it was a major paper, but a thing about people and men going through and realizing that life is toxic and there's ways to go about it, it it's hard to push through to people to understand this. And there's places all over the United States. So I'm just going to focus on the United States because, quite frankly, for a lot of the... the, the that's where it's the worst. Look who's in office. Um, <laughs> it's one of those things where until that part of it can get broken, I need to be on the side of feminism just so women can be treated as equals and with respect.
0: Okay, let's uh, dig into your initial thoughts here a minute. Um, So you acknowledge the idea that toxic masculinity is a thing and exists. Um, You also use the phrase not manly. Um, So let's ask What does, exclusive of everything, society has shoved at you, what does being manly mean to you? Uh Uh-oh, did I ask a stumper? Kind of. Um, What are manly things to you? I know what are manly things to me. I share them on my wall all the time.
1: As in, like, things that I enjoy that I consider manly or
0: things that. Just examples of what you consider healthy, um, meaningful. Manliness instead of what you would what you would consider toxic like what is a non-toxic manly man?
1: Um, see that's the thing there's when you start saying the thing is the word manly needs to get removed from society. Because it sh- there shouldn't be a such thing as a manly man, so to speak. There is a person that may like things or not. Because I like football, but I'm not so huge into football that I'm going to go through and paint my face and go to games.
0: Okay, that is not.
1: I I might be able to, but at the the same time, women Mm -hmm. do that
0: too. I was going to point that out. I'm a stupid super fan of my local college team.
1: Yes, I (laughs) see that constantly on Discord. (laughs) Um,. It's really boils what it boils down to is that things that are considered quote unquote manly aren't but people typecast them as manly things that women can partake in when really it's like I know women that could change the oil of their car if I was in a room, and an oil needed to be changed, and I was the only guy a bunch of women. I've been asked, hey, can you change this? And I'm like, oh, hell no. I'm calling AAA. <laughs> Um, There's things that are looked upon, like that if you're the only dude in the room, you're the one that should be doing it, because you're the dude. Just like if you're the only woman in the room, you should be dealing with certain things because you are the woman. And it's one of those things that if if you looked at... if most A lot of times if you reverse the two people, they might be better at the thing than what their gender supposedly matches at. So, for me, I don't really give a shit about what's manly anymore. I just want people to enjoy things.
0: Okay, that's a good feminist thing. However, it does miss a large part of the question. Let me give you an example and see if that helps. Alright. Like, non-toxic masculinity is, if you look at pictures of my beloved Buckeyes, when the team captains are walking out for the coin toss, they are holding each other's hands so tightly that you can tell from the tension through the glove that they are holding on for all they're worth. And they've got their elbows locked, and they're all tucked in next to each other. They are just so there for each other. Pictures of them celebrating. Uh, there are so many hugs. They're just very open with their emotions. That's non-toxic masculinity. They are there in their strength and they're not afraid to cry, to be frustrated, to admit to crying in an interview. Um, <clears throat> our coach, our head coach is retiring after the Rose Bowl. Um, anyone who follows college sports who listens to this podcast is if there's an overlap is probably well aware of this um a lot of the blog i read a blog called 11 warriors it's about the team they made a point of stating that our quarterback and other players cried with their coach that's non-toxic masculinity they're fully present with themselves and with each other and no one is being judged for being openly emotional another example is <clears throat> I'm very sports oriented because sports are a very manly thing football is one of the manliest things you can do outside of hockey and hockey players hug each other all the damn time all the time it's crazy um, and they're patting heads and that's they're funny. gentle, and they're openly emotional with their fans. See, that's the
1: funny thing, though. A lot of men that I know that are that would go through the tight cast stereotype of that,
0: they they like give a caveat that doesn't count for sports. No, no, that's bullshit. That's what that is. <laughs> um, that's some men doing manly <laughs> shit. I, i
1: see i agree that it's bullshit the thing is it's like for someone that is like thinking just the manly nature because it's sports everything that you described is is the caveat that it's like the exception to the rule i mean the bruins what they will do is they will go to children's hospitals dressed as female Disney characters just to cheer up patients. Talk about being gentle with fans. Uh, it's just with, like, with, like you said with hockey. It's one of those things where I see all what you're saying, and I agree that that's all non-toxic masculinity. And there should be more of that outside of yes. sports.
0: That's like Mr. Okay. Another everybody's example. Cause we're the same age, give or take a few months. Mm-hmm. I might be older. I don't remember when your birthday is, but it's months, if not days. Um, Mr. Rogers is the epitome of non-toxic masculinity.
1: Bob Ross too.
0: Yes. Uh, they they were just—it's that being present and and having a reaction to things that isn't anger or violence, which you know, here are them. And here is the current prevailing paradigm in our society the violence and the anger, the feeling entitled to things. So, that leads into another interesting question Do you feel owed things? Oh, no. That's interesting. I and mean, you are the apex predator in our society, essentially. You're the top of the heap. You are catered to. You're catered to in entertainment. You're catered to in advertising. Everything is geared to make your life more comfortable. When you're confronted with adversity... Or things not going right, or a frustration. Do you feel betrayed by society? And some no,
1: no, I blame myself. Anything that goes wrong, I might complain about it in verbally outside, like, like if I, I might complain about it on Facebook or talk about something like that. But I'm not blame, but deep, but deep down, I don't blame anybody but myself. Or how my brain is re- wired, or something of that nature. I don't blame anything. Re- let me rephrase this. There are stuff. There are stuff in my past that probably is rooted that uh, someone, uh, someone else probably has caused me to be the way I am or wired the way I am.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: However because of that that leads to me basically blaming myself for basically everything. Okay. Um so when people complain that why is Thor now a female? I don't care about that. It's it's comic books. Things go through storylines change. This 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 decade, she might be a female. Next week, next decade, she might be an alien from the planet Ulamuga that they create for a movie or something like that. Who knows? People get, people get the, the, my, me being a, my being a straight, cisgendered male and seeing everybody complain about anything that is different that caters to them. I'm like, what the fuck? There is bigger things to worry about. Someone that, a judge in Texas just went through and struck down the, um, uh, the affordable care act basically. And it's like, there's bigger things to worry about that the new Shira doesn't have like, uh, Tight skin tight corset and big <laughs> boobs.
0: <clears throat> yes. Why would a girls show have tits and ass in it anyway? Let's think about exactly. that. For example, it's a show to sell toys to girls initially. Why was it full of tits and ass?
1: My theory is that they were still for to sell to the girls, so to speak. It was because of the Barbie setup. And they weren't thinking about it as the action figure setup, but that was—that's just my personal theory
0: of that. It's something to dig into. And gays and large, complicated things that we can save for another angry feminist podcast. Um, <clears throat> like we—we we could probably rant about angry feminist things forever, <laughs> but we're not here to rant about feminism or the lack thereof. Um, and see, let me get, let me just add one more thing about me and feminism. Okay. All
1: right, almost everything that I'm telling you,
0: someone else has told me. Well That's how we learn things. So, <laughs> and it's it's not that
1: it's not that I I feel more like I'm less of a feminist and more just like a loudspeaker to echo everybody else. Like, I'm not here. I'm just passing along the message.
0: You can't see me. I'm John Cena. <laughs> You're going to have to edit in the fucking intro music and bullshit now. Cause John Cena. <laughs> um. <laughs> Copyright. Sorry. <laughs> You can get like the first couple bars; it's fine. No, no, you can't. I it's lame. Fair use, uh, fair use. Fair
1: use. See, when I was first, when I was doing these podcast setups, I was looking into that particular reason about the use of fair use. The only way that you can really use like songs on a podcast, or even like a clip of a song is if you
0: are actively on the podcast reviewing that song. For the love of Christ. How does that even work for buffer music on the radio?
1: Because the radio pays for things It's because it's radio. because I wanted to go through originally for this podcast and um, use, I don't remember which song, but I wanted to use like the beginning of a part of a Imagine Dragon song for this particular podcast as the intro. Um, actually, I think it's Believer by Imagine Dragons. It's just a clip of it that I wanted to use. So I went through and started researching it. it's like, no, you can be sued because, and the um, RIAA has done this before. Uh, um so everything that i've used for this podcast has either been um creative commons or gifted so to speak alpha rift gifted me the new intro music for from his from one of his albums um to use as my new my new entrance music for this thing but i'm still having like to scrounge through creative commons fair use music for other things I want to use. So it's one of those things where I understand the point, but I can't even do a couple of bars. In fact, the WWE was sued because another rap group said that they stole that John Cena stole their entrance part of one of their songs for that song. So that could possibly be a double whammy. So I'm not going to deal with that part. Uh,
0: (laughs) That's fair. Let's not go to jail. My lawyer isn't done cooking yet. And I don't want to borrow my friend's expensive entertainment lawyer just to get you out of trouble. Um, Because they're expensive. Uh, Where were we going with this thought, anyway? Um... Oh, it was the, it was feminism the and you that's and everything It goes back to the whole reason for this podcast. We've come full circle. More Silent Hill yeah. references. Um, <clears throat> I'm just a spooky bitch from Silent Hill. Deal with it. Uh, <laughs> that's how we learn. And clearly, if you're holding on to the information, it means something to you, so I can I can hold on to a lot of worthless. I mean, you crap do have too. a lot of nonsense about Harry Potter memorized for no applicable reason. That's fair. Well, I
1: have applicable reasons why it's stuck, but, but outside your um, your
0: uh, Alice in Muggleland podcast, it has no functional use except taking up brain space and occasionally making you pleased that you know it. Hey, it's coming to you some bar trivia. When you when it's the final jeopardy question and you take home all the dollars, then I'll care. But <laughs> this is this is a bigger thing than Harry Potter, than something that has a deep emotional resonance for you, which we should get into, but you're holding on to these ideas for a reason you might not know what it is right now but there's a reason and now
1: the reason that the reason I'm even holding on to this stuff is because my friends have to deal
0: with it so I should know about it see you care because it's important because you want to understand it which is different from my friends are dealing with it so I should know about it just because it impacts them it also impacts you because you are the the bearer of not only tremendous privilege but tremendous burdens when it comes to toxic expectations i mean let's let's look at the things that you're not supposed to be able to do As a cishet white dude. Or just a dude in general. Um, Keep house. Raise a child. Be emotionally available. Be a functional adult. That's a lot of shitty things to carry around. So, as much shit as everybody else deals with, we gotta deal with that as well, because you being forced into that role oppresses all of us. There's an interesting quote about it's not men that are the problem, it's patriarchy, which is a system, and it fucks us all. So, yes, more dudes More dudes in feminism, because we can't dismantle the system without you. This podcast has been brought to you by the Alpha Riff and his conversation on Well, there's going to (laughs) be some other stuff, because we should probably talk about your obsession with Harry Potter, because it's an obsession.
1: Okay. Let me go through, and I could put this right out there, explain the deep root of where this all comes from, why it's important why I'm not going to let it go. I can tell you that that's not even a that's not even a question. When I was living with my family, sometimes the only books I had available to escape were my Harry Potter books. So, there would be days that the only thing that I could do just to escape my brain was read Harry Potter. For the last th- three books, the only gift that I got from my family was the Harry Potter books. And that was from my mom, who would drop it on my head on my on my birthday in the morning just so I could be reading it all day on my birthday. So, I probably read the books because of, basically, escapism, and so, basically, I wouldn't kill myself uh, 100 to 150 times, and that's not including all the times that I listened to them on audiobooks.
0: Okay, so they were a means of escape for you. (laughs) And... Because of that, I
1: enjoy them. And I, while at my knowledge is very fluent and I am the Harry Potter guy to
0: many people, I don't mind that. Okay. That's a really interesting reason to be tied into a book. Didn't expect Ed, that. Did you? It's a thing <laughs> that's happened. That's really sad that those are all the books you had. Because this is a world in which, and a country in which public libraries exist. Could you not get to the library, for the love of God? Um. Um, when you, you might know this in Ohio. I don't know the
1: way that Ohio is structured in regards to public transit and whatnot. But where I lived in the South, most of this time, I had no car. And you had to drive everywhere. And getting someone to drive you to the library was pretty much impossible if they didn't want to do anything. In fact, there was many, many nights when I was living with my family, they would go through and cook dinner for the family. And then when I came out for dinner, they would go, oh, we thought you weren't here. We didn't cook you anything. And I'm like... Every night I'm in my room because I have nowhere to go. So how do you think that I'm not? Well, y'all here? got feet. So legs ain't broke, son. When well, when you <laughs> library is 15 miles away, and you have the you have to walk on the interstate. With a bunch of drunken rednecks going through the interstate, you don't want to go and get hit by yonder
0: car. Uh, so you, you didn't, you did um, not bring that forward very well. <laughs> I, I didn't. It's
1: true, but still, I'm not in my. I'm not in my pretend to be a redneck phase, which I've done to, hor-
0: do you, to horrify. You're not people. attempting to exhibit um, p- as. Uh, Shout out to Small Town Murder. Um, you're not trying to exhibit the panhandle accent, which uh is that faux hillbilly hick redneck. They're three separate things. Know the difference. Yep. Um all three are distinct from white trash as well.
1: And see, this is not just the panhandle, this is Louisiana, this is Alabama. This is New Hampshire
0: because New Hampshire is the (laughs) south of the north. Uh, And don't they have a panhandle? uh, Or do they just exhibit panhandle behavior? They they exhibit panhandle behavior. Um,
1: But it really what it boils down to is that when you're in areas where if you don't drive and you have to, and this is before Uber and
0: Lyft and everything like that. You you get you use what you I can don't get. comprehend a world and in which people would not look, drop you off at the library while they're running errands. Because my family didn't. But did run they errands. just go out back and get the groceries that way?
1: What they did most of the time. What it was is that they would work at like Walmart or at a supermarket, so they would go to work. They would pick stuff up, then come
0: home. I am so sorry. I have never not been able to get to the library (laughs) if I wanted to go. Well, except maybe when I was living in Cincinnati, and that's only because I didn't know where it was. Oh, and Fairborn, there was a time in which I did not know where the nearest library was, and it was a very sad time because I had to buy books and I had no job. It was awful. But basically,
1: my escape was the internet and reading my own books. And that was it. Which is why I'm an avid
0: rereader of everything. I mean, that's good. <laughs> On the subject of, of reading, how is, uh, how is your journey with Shadow going? Um...
1: I'm taking that slow because I don't want to uh, rush through it.
0: Because I got it on the audiobook. The audiobook acting, by the way, is super. Oh, it's the tenth anniversary. Um, okay, I, yeah, I listened to that yeah. one. It's okay. T- compared to other audio yeah. books, from what I've heard,
1: um, and I'm including. So I'm basically just based okay, on that
0: because we've got um, that. Acting and it is not, it is, it is, it is okay. Full cast recording, there are better. I mean, uh, right. Neverwhere is a significantly better full cast recording. Um, but anything that Neil Gaiman assists in narrating is gonna be pretty amazing. Um, but the Wednesday in that recording has got nothing on Ian McShane just you wait hold on to your ass friend uh, but where are you in that journey um he
1: just he's um he's talking to um i'm gonna butcher this um ibis, ibis uh ibis um about the ancient egyptians actually trading in ancient times with the American Indians. <laughs> um,
0: that's the part okay. where I'm at right. And now. how are you doing with this book? Because it's a weird fucking book, and it's very different from the Potter verse. But there are there are also some similarities. See, let's let's get this let,
1: let let's let's get this a little bit mm-hmm. cl- clarified. All right. While I am very well versed to the point of obnoxiousness with the with the Potter book verse, and while I hate literary fiction, um, because it bores the hell out of me, um, I
0: do do and have read well, other things. Yeah, well, yes, that's how you know you <laughs> um, hate literary fiction is you've read other things. But I'm going to take um, advantage of being vaguely in charge right now and i'm gonna needle you about some stuff like i hate i don't like urban fantasy i'm gonna read this book that my friend is obsessed with because she's not she's obsessed with it to the level that i feel a kinship with her at least on fan level with the way you feel about Her- I you feel about the Potter books the way I feel about American Gods, and I think that's what's drawn you to it, but how are you doing with the journey? Like So far, the, the, so
1: far this is going to be one of those books where I'm going to have to read or listen to at least, at least twice. To really go through and get things.
0: Okay. Right now, I'm doing okay. You, yeah, um, you got past Bill Quiz, which is good. I, because that's weird as fuck.
1: Yeah, I. That it that was yes. Um, but basically, what and this is gonna sound bad, and I don't mean it as an insult, but the types of imagery that are has been used. Um, I've read in other types of gear fiction novels that I like, such as Stephen King, Dean Koontz, things like that. So the fucked upness doesn't really phase me. So it's the characterization that I dive into. Um, the. The way that the narration, and I'm very big on narration, as my final paper has basically said. Mm-hmm. You've uh, got to um, have a
0: good storyteller, otherwise, the, fuck what, everything. Right. The, the narration
1: has been well done. Um, you could feel, you could, especially when he goes into Shadow's thoughts, when Shadow's <laughs> in situations. Um, so, so far, I'm enjoying it, but I know that I'm going to want to listen to it again, to because I know oh, I'm missing stuff. Oh, you
0: you I are. Tell, um, I've listened to it um, dozens of times, and it was about my third listen-through that I got the... It's not like he's doing an underwater escape, like, not yet. For
1: example, with doing it, listening to audiobooks, and even with reading... I almost missed Mr. Nancy. Oh my God. I love Nancy. He's amazing. And I caught it. Like I caught it while I was like in the middle of commute. Mm-hmm. And they were all of a sudden they were the person that was doing Mr. Nancy was talking. I'm like, wait, when did this character go came? And I had to like, go back a, like a few minutes because I missed the introduction of Mr. Nancy. Um, and the only reason I knew that that was important is because um, I know Orlando Bloom, is, or not Orlando Boom. Um, Orlando Jones. Who's Mr. Orlando Jones? Thank you. I know it was Orlando. Um, I know that Orlando Jones was Mr. Nancy for American Gods. Yeah, the, oh so, God, he's so good. He's so amazing. Um, so I wanted to make sure that I caught the introduction of that properly. So I went back. Um, so I try to, whenever I'm listening to it, I'm trying to basically using that as my focus to the point that I don't listen to it before I go to bed. Because if I fall asleep, I know I'm going to just like have to backtrack. Mm-hmm. through it. And so usually I'm doing it like when I'm on a commute. Because I have more focus at that point. But between, it was an early morning, I was getting jostled around, and I missed something. So,
0: um, but I've enjoyed it so far. Good. Um, Well, like I said, it's super important to me, and I think it's, especially with you at the point you are in your life, Shadow's a good friend for you to have right now. I mean, do you feel any sort of kinship with this poor, poor bastard? I mean, he's kind of at rock bottom. No? No. No. Well, I mean, you do have a home. So you're one up on him. You got a place to you store your stuff. And stuff. <laughs> he has nothing but the clothes on his back and a succession of shitty cars.
1: Well, at this point, he can't even use his credit card anymore. Well, he can, um, he's
0: choosing not to. Well,
1: he was told by, uh, he was told by his wife not to use the card at this point. His <laughs> um,
0: late wife. Dead wife, yes. Ugh. I, I feel a special kinship oh. with Laura. And there's a very important lesson I've learned from her, and it's one that everybody should learn, and it's don't have sex in a moving vehicle of any sort. (laughs) With anyone, Uh, ever, you could die. People always are Spoilers. (coughs) Spoilers, it's in like the first 50 pages. Spoilers, Laura is dead. And you find out why, like, 50 pages later. This is not a spoiler. (laughs) Spoilers is what my uh, elaborate theory about why they're releasing it the first Sunday in Lent uh, is. And it's complicated. And I'm not going to talk about it with you because you don't know any of it. And I don't want to spoil it for you. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I've I've been enjoying it so far. Good. Because in, you know, the podcast where you were interviewing me, we did a little bit of talking about books, and you were being difficult to read or advisory for. And then, like, a few weeks later, you're like, I'm reading American Gods. Well,
1: in the podcast we did, the debate was what, what genre Harry Potter fell in. Yeah, and and. And I didn't. And I, you said that I read urban fantasy because I read Harry Potter, in which I disagreed. Um, I never said that I didn't like urban fantasy, and it's because, for example, the uh, technically you could
0: consider the Odd Thomas novels by Dean Koontz.
1: Um, They're fantasy. also
0: urban fantasy horror. There's a little bit of overlap, but yeah, it's
1: because i do go through and read stories that are urban fantasy based it's just that i disagreed with that category for harry potter so i'm a nerd there's so much urban fantasy and nerddom that you can't escape it
0: um okay this is all fair but it is your it it is your idiom um To be up in all of that urban fantasy goodness. Um, it, I stand corrected that it's not just because Harry Potter. We didn't get into your love of um, Stephen King and Dean Koontz. So that's an interesting mm-hmm. horror overlap. What about What is it about horror that draws you in? See, a lot of, honestly, for me, a
1: lot of what I read for Dean Koontz and Stephen King, I wouldn't even define as horror. Um, because, even though, it's, even though technically it is, and there's also a lot of things that are even more horrifying and things of that nature, when I think of horror, I think of Freddy and Jason and things like that. The obnoxious slasher flicks that I can't stomach to watch. Anything that I feel like there's a suspense element of like that, um, I watch with my eyes closed. I remember going to see The Haunting in theaters, and I had my eyes closed throughout the almost the whole entire thing because I was expecting someone to get their head chopped off. Um, but for me, a lot of what they write isn't really—and I can see where the horror elements would come in, but I don't see it as horror. Um, Uh, Stephen King, what that boiled down to is, I was in fourth grade, um, my older sister was tired of my mom just brushing her off whenever she wanted to talk to her about this new Stephen King book she read. Um, so she wanted someone to talk to about books for Stephen King, and said, hey, you should read this book. It has werewolves in it. And I was like, ooh, okay. So here I am, fourth grade, reading The Talisman by Stephen King and Peter Starb, um, which is where I learned to curse and cursed out my fourth grade Oops. teacher. <laughs> um, uh, and the thing is, my sister took it away from me because I didn't read a section properly that she felt was an important section. And though I wasn't really reading it, so then when I because I did know where my library was, I was able to go to the library to get it on my own and read it. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, here's this fourth grader going to the library and with the big book, like here I want to check this out and looking at you funny. <laughs> I'm like, yes, I know. I started reading it. And my sister took it away. Wait, you started reading it? I'm like, yes, I know. Go away. (laughs) Um Because in sixth grade in sixth grade I did an oral report on that book and my teacher quizzed me in front of the class by taking the book and reading sections of it to herself and then quizzing me on it. And I was like giving her all the answers to show that I actually read the book.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we grew up in an era where there wasn't a lot of young adult fiction in that like fifth grade for so for advanced readers there's fat quotation marks in in the air here i'm doing a thing with my hands um that you can't see thank god i don't have any makeup on and i'm in fuzzy pajamas so and there's your outtake um, <coughs> is that hot model you interviewed in fuzzy pajamas. Um, There was a face with that, too. And you also missed it. It was good. It was stupid. Uh, but we grew up where there wasn't fiction for young adult readers. You went from Ramona Quimby and Nancy Drew and Norby. Do you remember fucking Norby? It's Asimov for kids. To Foundation! There was no in-between. I was reading 4th, 5th, 6th grade things like Deerskin by Robin McKinley. I'm a big fantasy nerd. I was reading that. I was reading Stephen Donaldson. Which no 6th grader should have to deal with. Because you have no capacity for That level of book, but there was there there was no Harry Potter, so we had to read Dean Koontz and we had to read Stephen King. Eyes of the Dragon, I read that several times, and if that's not horror, that's not fantasy horror. I don't know what is. That was some fucked up shit.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so I was basically then it's like turned into whenever my sister left her newest book in the bathroom, I would take the book and read it because that was my access to other books. So granted, I went through and to be quite honest, I was the one that got her into reading Harry Potter. I was also the one that got her. Oh into my reading God. The I Wheel gave up time. on that shit. Um, I gave up on reading it at like book six and a
0: half. I finished it on audiobook. I um, I, I love Aradani Studios, and I love the art they do based on that world, and it's amazing stuff. It's, they're official artists for it, and I love those guys, and I love that they mm-hmm. have this thing that they illustrate. But dude, if, if you're introducing an entire second group of characters and basically starting the series over with a bunch of people I do not care about, and have not been asked to care about. Because they've been, they've been fucking off in the background. Doing background character stuff. I'm done with you. Wheel of Time you gave us people. You See, followed that's... it for a while. And then they're like. We're going to ignore all of these people. We've spent books and books caring about. And focus on this entire other aspect. No, no. Finish your first story. Then tell me the sec- Then then tell me the story of the background characters. That's a narrative. Yeah. See, that's that's
1: why I stopped around like book six and a half. And there's so many names
0: that are so similar. Yeah, I can't care on about. On top them. of it, they were good until I stopped being able to care about them. I was in college too, so I couldn't devote my life to reading the books as they came out. As, you know, when we were in eighth grade and they were the thing. Oh, God, we're so old. Because I think that's when... that's. I think I was in eighth grade the first time I picked up Wheel of Time. <sighs> but...
1: There is like a hundred and something different points of mm-hmm. view for the Wheel of Time, and that's that's at
0: least ninety five <laughs> points that's of like view. That's like ninety nine. Too many, <laughs> um, possibly not, possibly unfair on my part, but this is our podcast. We say what we want. Um, um but my friend John.
1: Was at uh we you're at the mall and he was at um I think Walden Books of all places I don't think they even exist now um and they were like the buy Four fantasy novels get the fifth one free and he's like ooh all right and he's going through picking up fantasy novels and he can't figure out the free one and he goes. Hey Bill, have you read The Wheel of Time? And I'm like, no. He goes, now you are. <laughs> and just asked oh. the fifth book. <laughs> um and then I then he started like handing me the books as I finished them because he had them on his own shelf. <laughs> um But yeah, that but um that's another series that I go through and reread, re-listen to. On a semi-regular basis, when I don't feel like listening to Harry Potter, not because because it's Mm. it's good background Mm -hmm. noise at this point. Um, I'd rather have an audiobook going on background than like a video Mm -hmm. or something like that. That me. But then it's like you have Stephen. You have um, with Stephen King, you have basically. Um, the Dark Tower series, which basically all the books are somehow related to the Dark Tower, really turns out to be.
0: uh yeah, there's some, I, there are uh, pain meds yeah. and cocaine. That's the only, re- that's the only way I can describe it. Is the later books in the Dark Tower series is um, pain meds and cocaine. Because the, um... Well, yes, he, yes, he got, he got hit, hit by a man, man. and that sucks. Uh, the cocaine was earlier, but mostly pain meds, uh, because as he was writing them, he could reference Harry Potter. Spoilers: Did you read the later ones? Okay, good. Then we can talk about this. Yes. Um, I finished this.
1: I, I kind of, I kind of hated the okay. ending of it. Um. And I, and I hate I hated the ending for the reason that um they hinted in his in his series whatnot he has the books the talisman and the black house um for the longest time probably because it was like the first adult novel that i read the talisman which um the the main character was a 12 year old boy um was like my favorite book ever and then he did a a sequel to it called the black house where at the end of it the main character who is now an adult was in basically mm-hmm. roland's world for good um and he they he like so heavily hinted that this character was going to wind up being in the near the end books the way that was written to the point that um there's a part of the you might remember this or not Eddie goes off and Mm -hmm. says, and they basically save Stephen King, well, why don't we just have him write a uh, a world-famous detective? And that was referencing Jack Sawyer from his other book. And I'm like, and I'm like, there was no
0: show. I'm like, crap, this sucks. I hate this. I (laughs) just... Got it just got so weird for me. It's like why the, the it why is the golden snitch trying to kill people? And why is Thomas the Tank Engine extra scary? I mean, it's just that that wasn't a horror, uh, a dystopian horror world anyway. Um now Stephen King has made it a thousand times worse with Blaine the Mono. It can't be any any less insane but uh i just that's another series i finished it because it wasn't a thousand books long but i did it out of professional right duty i didn't read it because i wanted to i read it because i needed to like finishing the Harry Potter books, because there came a point where there were, for me, too many plot holes um, and logic issues. But we went over those. We'll say We'll save the... Yes, because shouldn't for have to <laughs> read supplemental in material after the fact when you realized and you went back and you patched your plot holes and tried to pretend like we wouldn't notice i'm looking at you games workshop um i'm looking at you in particular dan abnet i'm still angry about try again brag i will be angry about that character's death until my dying day is there something? Is there a death in a novel that you refuse to get over? If you say Hedwig, I'm going to reach through the reach through the screen and smack you.
1: That's one of them. Um, I just want to say one more thing about head. One thing about Hedwig, though, I'll just say this outright. Um, I hate how the books killed Hedwig. I like. If I appreciated how the movies at least had her die, is at least in the movie she like died as a hero, and mm-hmm. the book she just died in her cage. So it's like, I was like, really? You had to kill her off like that? I almost stopped reading it at that point, but um, but going back, um, first one would be Wolf from uh The Talisman, um. I still cry when I read that. Um, and then, of, of course, for many, Dobby. Um, basically, I, I could probably figure, I, someone will probably come to mind afterwards, but those are the two that, when it comes down to reading, that pop out immediately to me.
0: Okay. Has there ever been anything Has there ever been something an author's done gone? Oh,
1: I, I, um, for Dean Koontz. um, Odd Thomas's girlfriend, Stormy, when he, when you come to the realization that she actually did die in the first book, um,
0: that also was it. But, right, okay, you're it. still reading these. You you've still continued to read both and reread both these authors. Whereas Dan Abnett made me swear off the Gaunt's Ghost th- stories, and I'm not going to read anything he's ever he he writes from the point where he, in my opinion, did not gave a character an unworthy death, like it was the level of. I'm going to reference the star Wars extended universe. Don't at me or better yet at me, bro. I'll fight you. Um, I'll fight you about how most of that stuff is bullshit. Um, Cause it is, <laughs> um, there was some good stuff. There's a lot of bad stuff. That's another discussion on my Facebook wall. Um, I stopped reading because I was that angry at the author. Then like, how could you be such? How could you do this? You had a perfectly good ending on your novel and then you tacked on this bullshit. I can't trust you anymore to give me a good story. So I stopped reading him. Have you ever stopped reading an author because you got so pissed off at their writing and what they did? Yeah. Yeah. Whew. George R. R. Martin. We gonna get some ats. <laughs> wow! Uh, wow! Book one you, you fucked off early. <coughs> Who was it? Who'd they kill? Who would he kill that you thought was bullshit? Um oh. And Stark.
1: Um. I threw the book across the room, said, fuck you, R- George R.R. R. R. Martin, and never picked up a Game of Thrones book since. But since I don't live in a cave, I basically.
0: Yeah, know I haven't the read any of the novels either the because I. Thank you, Robert Jordan, um, for sparing me all of the bullshit with George R.R. R. R. Martin. I ain't going to read that shit till he's dead and they're done. Whichever one comes first. Well, that's one of the. Well, basically people are like, "Oh, you like
1: the Wheel of Time? Well, you like Game of Thrones." I'm like, "No.
0: Yeah, people are people I'm have good. come to me are the same way. What do you mean you haven't read Game of Thrones? I'm waiting for him to be done before I get started." Robert Jordan Jordan ruined it for everybody. Um, that's pretty amazing that you were like, "Fuck this. Fuck everybody. Double guns, I'm out." Now Have you read any Stephen Donaldson before? No. Okay. Um, Based on your reaction to Martin, I would suggest that you continue to not read anything but his short stories. (laughs) uh, Because he likes to torture his characters. And... um, Which, I suppose, can let me ask you, have you ever, in or out of your Harry Potter reading experience come across something that besides class we're not talking about your literary fiction class because we're going to talk about real books here Um, at me I'm a librarian I can have a professional opinion (laughs) Um, outside of stuff you've been forced to read have you ever ground out something that in the first hundred pages made you uncomfortable? Enough that you might have wanted to put it down? Or did you just walk away from all unpleasant all unpleasant reading experiences? The closest
1: thing... The closest thing probably would have wound up being Game of Thrones, if you think about it. Um, but how you describe that question... Um I continued I continued to read a book series because it was an absolute train wreck. Um and I couldn't stop reading it because of it. Um and I actually didn't read the first book because I was done with the massacre of said train wreck. Um which is the left behind series.
0: Oh my god.
1: Now, you remember when I said that I wasn't sure if I am the way I am because of where I live. Mm-hmm. In the South, that was like the only thing that people around me read.
0: Well, yeah, I, I get that you were <laughs> in the den of bunkers. Um, yeah,
1: So what I so I wound up reading it, and I just kept on going what the fuck am I reading? Why don't I stop reading it? And it's not like it's, it's not like it's good. It's just like, I just wanted to see the, continue see how much horror was on display. Those books were horror books. <laughs> um. <coughs> uh, I wound up not reading the last one because, and uh, supposedly the last one, that's when Jesus shows up. Um, But because I had like a good two year break from reading the books and the next time the next one came out or something like that, I'm like,
0: yeah, I'm good. I'm done. <laughs> but you kept going except for when you, you got away from it.
1: So- well, no, no. Well, it was like when I moved. Mm hmm. I was doing so much work when I moved to Louisiana that I didn't really have time to deal with it because to get away from my family, I was working as much overtime as possible. Mm -hmm. So I was able to like not deal with that. (laughs) Hmm.
0: That's fascinating because you did eventually give up. Um, I have a very uncomfortable relationship with Stephen Donaldson, the author Um, just because like I said, within the first hundred pages of his book, you're gonna want to throw it against the wall and be like, what the fuck am I reading? What are you doing? I don't want to care about this person your protagonist is a horrible person and then you keep reading, <laughs> like you throw it against the wall. You pick it up, and you're like, "Okay, what's next?" And it's just ugh, big, yeah, horrible, see. uncomfortable. I like I can't. I don't know if I can go back and read the Coven- the Thomas Covenant books, and I want to because right. I want to finish them. They're very important. They're important books to me. Um, I identify with different characters, mostly female in them and I think some and sometimes when I'm reading about the not earth setting the Donaldson is from Ohio so um, I want to support the hometown crowd Um, go Ohio authors but he doesn't say this is drawn from a place from, this is drawn from somewhere in Ohio, but he's describing places that I almost know that I could go to. And while they wouldn't be a fantasy setting, that's, you know, I would be there. I would see the inspiration for the book. Right. Yeah. Being in the Boston area, and with your Stephen King under your belt. Is there anywhere you've ever been that made you think of something you've read? Going to Harry Potter World doesn't count. No.
1: And I've I actually never been to Harry Potter World, so, um... Um... No. Not really. Because even with Stephen King, he... A lot of his earlier stuff was in a fake town in Maine um, and to be honest I didn't read a lot of his earlier stuff um, because that's probably where he is probably the most horror horror um, I want to read more of his later stuff in, t- in a lot of the uh, and, and like you with the stand um, I read the revised version where he updated a little a few things just to make it a little bit more uh, more date of the time so to speak But um, there's nothing that I've gone through and I've read that made me think if I or gone somewhere and think oh, just like out of the book or anything like that. Even when Stephen King writes about New York City, he writes about a version of New York City because he doesn't, he he used the city to fit his story, not the story to fit the city, so to speak. Um, So I usually don't think about that type of thing when I'm reading books.
0: That's a way to think about it. So, uh, we've been all over the place. How's your ADD these days? Unmedicated. Why?
1: Because it just is. I need them to invent an ADD shot, ADHD shot, that I go get monthly so I don't have to remember to take my medicine. That's
0: not how neurotransmitters work, honey. It's never gonna be a thing.
1: I understand that. It's just that no matter what I usually do to try to combat the forgetting things of that I still forget and I just I have like maybe a good four months supply of well, right now sitting in my room Mm-hmm. that I just haven't taken why? because I keep on forgetting that I have to take it and by the time I remember to take it it's too late to take it <laughs>
0: There's not really a thing.
1: For Wellbutrin, there is. It's about trying to get sleep. Usually the time I remember to take it, I'm like at home getting ready to go to bed saying, crap, I need to take my Wellbutrin.
0: There's a face that goes with this moment. (laughs) I can send you some some examples of it. To include with this podcast. Because there's a face. (sighs) I get it. I do. Some days I forget my meds. And I can tell when I do it. But you can't. It's like food. I've also found that um, antidepressants and my ADHD really don't go together well at all. Like, Basically. Give me the speed and leave me alone. <laughs> Did skip the Wellbutrin. Well,
1: basically, it's like the what my doctor is was trying to do. Basically, is like, all right, we're gonna try using the Wellbutrin because you of your depression to also try to help with your ADHD.
0: That's n- no, no. That's not how any of this works. It because it does work for some people. Uh, the
1: problem is. Is that either way, it's like? That it's like I go back to the doctors, like, so how's the medication going? And I'm like, it's not. Uh, um, it's like, why have you been taking it? Because no matter what I do, I forget.
0: Which means we no, need to tried, stop using I, the well I tried
1: reminders I tr- even when I was on uh even when I was on Adderall, it was the same thing. It was I need remind i I tried reminders. I've tried multiple reminders. I've tried tacking it in front of my door right before I leave the house. I tried putting it in next to my toothbrush. I've tried putting things in my pockets, putting it in my wallet. But the thing is, because I usually lack spoons, a lot of times I forget to prep various things because I'm just out of energy when I get home. Mm-hmm. And thus, I, because I don't prep it, or I forget to prep it, or I don't have time to do that, I start missing it, and then I continue to miss it. Because... In my case, it's like, yeah, everything people describe is great, except it just doesn't work for me. And it's completely my fault. I'm not saying it's not anybody else's fault other than my own, just like I mentioned before near the beginning of the podcast. Mm -hmm. It's just that everything I've tried, it's failed. And things that people suggest, there's like, I tried it. I failed it. I used Post-it notes. I used everything. It just doesn't happen. I got to the point where one of my, thought, my, one of my issues was that I would forget that I forgot, so I didn't want to double up on accident, because
0: that could be a bad thing. Mm-hmm. I've done that. I've taken too much antidepressant, and that will fuck your shit up real fast. So... I went through
1: and I ordered, started ordering from Pill Pack, which divides it up into handy dandy little servings per <coughs> time you need to take it. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to go through the whole process of dealing with a filling up my pills every week in a pill dispenser thing. Because you know, so there's no way I'm gonna do that. That I was going through and I was tacking up the little packet on my door mm-hmm. to remember to take it before I walked out the door. And I did that successfully for maybe a month, and then one day I got to do it, and it just went, but, and and then it goes into that type of thing.
0: There's so much to unpack here. So much but that's probably not something we want to do in a public forum like this on display.
1: That's why there's Patreon only.
0: I mean, a of it. <laughs> even that, because, you know, if you put out there, we get deep into my mental health issues with an armchair psych- a psychologist whose only training is in distance discipline. Um, <laughs> that's going to get the wrong viewers. And I don't think we want that kind of friendship.
1: All right. Let's go through and just let, then let's let just go uh, do surface thoughts of another thing that you wanted to unpack.
0: Oh, there's so much. You're such a fascinating creature. See, Humans to me are extremely interesting. And you who say you have no identity of your own, are pr- it's probably one of the most fascinating because from the outsider perspective you have a personality and you have an identity and it's very I'm- present and very strong I understand that you come from a place where you doubt yourself and that's an interesting place to be sitting so when I'm observing you, what fascinates me is where the disconnect comes from with you, from what you, between what you present and what you feel is true. Does that make sense? It makes
1: sense. It's really what it boils down to is that I don't have the one thing that I'm like, I can honestly feel that I'm like I will die on this hill because of me not because of anybody else because of me that's everything about me is all because of everybody else and i don't feel it's really about me
0: that could I mean, get into the hufflepuffery that is totally into the whole hufflepuffery
1: <laughs> that that's probably the big reason why i'm a hufflepuff right there um but even then it's not the. It, it, it's not that That's the best way that I could describe how I am outwardly to people and how people around me are important because of who they
0: are, but it's not because of me. But they matter to you. You care because they matter to you, not because... You're selfish. Well, it is a sort of selfishness and it is a sort of possessiveness. Um, But it's the healthy sort. Um, You very ferociously care about things because they are important. And the reason they're important to you is because they impact people you care about. Otherwise, you don't give a fuck. And the fact to me that's fascinating with all this is that you don't see that that point, that bridge, that this thing matters because it impacts other people. We're going to go back to feminism here for a hot second. Um, but LGBTQ issues and... and um, mm. Touching people with consent and sex positivity and not shunning sex workers and all that, all that shit that impacts people you know um, and people you care about. If they didn't matter to you, none of it would cross your mind, I don't think. But because you're Traveling through life through your connections to other people, you care about things that impact them because you selfishly want these people you care about to have the best lives possible. Because that makes you happy knowing that they're happy. Does that sound fair? Did I use too many words? I see what. No,
1: you didn't use too many words. I see where you're getting that. Hmm. But maybe, like you mentioned, going back when you mentioned that it's imposter syndrome. I don't know if
0: that's really it or not. You have a lot of self-doubt, and I wonder, and, you know, that's something I don't know where it comes from. Part of it comes from, I'm pretty sure, your emotionally abusive relationship with your ex, and your extremely negative living situation now. I know nothing about. Before. I hopped on this trolley car. Um, and we're going towards that. That switch. Someone's going to pull that switch. And people are going to die. I'm along for this ride. It's okay. Um, whatever we run over is what we run over. <laughs> I cannot affect the outcome. Um, but you don't, you've had a lot of your identity shaken because you had a long-term relationship into which you sank a lot of yourself. And that fell apart. While other things that were very deeply important to you in your life also fell apart. Let me try to, I
1: don't think i put, ever expressed this directly to you. Um, I mentioned it to other people. Um, and I've mentioned this to my therapist too. Mm-hmm. So before anybody asks that, this is uh, part of it. Before my ex, mm-hmm. pretty much everything was bad. Okay. I cannot tell you one truly happy moment in my life before my ex. Uh, that right.
0: makes things ultra fiddly. Oof. Oof, this is some fun shit to tap dance through. Yep.
1: So then I had my time with my, the first four and a half years of my ex. On the surface, everything was wonderful. It's, there's a little bunch of, there's a bunch of crap that I've been digging out through that wasn't wonderful, but
0: there, it was wonderful in
1: comparison.
0: Well, yeah, just because you're not on fire doesn't mean you're not still standing in shit. Um however,
1: when and basically I while I joke to people, I really am not. Um I know that if unfortunately if she asked me to come back, I'd go. I would have to come stop you. Yeah, and see, you wouldn't be, and due to, um, unfortunately, distance, um, by the time you got here to stop me, you would be having to fight over my body parts because I know at least four people locally who would kill me
0: outright. (laughs) See, killing you doesn't solve the problem. It it would because it completely put me out of my misery. Except you're not in your misery. You just... No, no, I... You're done with your misery. The misery happened. We don't want you to go back to the misery. That's why we would come That's and fight you, but not kill you. <laughs> because we want you to get past it. And that is a really fascinating thing about you. Is, but anyway I I think and you can tell me if this is fair you're a little afraid of really being happy because you've never been it before I mean have you we started this I was th- happy then were you yes were you really it,
1: the first four years yes that's the issue I don't have anything else that
0: makes me think happy until I go there and I can't have that anymore. Because that's, you know, here, drink some (laughs) drink some antifreeze. It'll because that's kind of where you're at with that. Antifreeze a little bit puts you in a fun place. Or like a little cough syrup and gin, and see that's that's even the worst thing. That'll put you All in right, a place, have... but too much of that'll fucking kill you, real
1: fast. See, see that's the, that's another funny thing. It's like any, I'm uh, I'm not even sure that medication works for me because anything that's supposed to put me in some type of even remotely altered state or make me like even medically feel better. Like
0: I'm talking about pot here. Doesn't work <laughs> at all. Well, that's, <laughs> I, <laughs> that's your, that's your neurochemistry. It, it's fine. Um, I'm, Pretty sure that with between my caffeine habit and my uh, medical grade meth habit, um, also known as Adderall, good Coke would put me to sleep. I'd just be like, I feel so fucking normal, I'm going to take a nap! Because I don't need to waste any energy on anything now. I'm either going to do all the fucking things, or sleep. You know, maybe that should try Coke. Let's not try Coke. <laughs> Let's stick with the medical, mean, because we can't be sure it's medically it's medically pure. Stick with the medical meth. Take the Adderall. It's safer. It's been lab created and it's pure. It's fine.
1: Adderall, honestly, when I when I did take Adderall on the regular basis for two months, I didn't feel anything different.
0: You don't except maybe not hungry um from my experience with it you don't feel anything different things are just easier the one thing i noticed and i don't know if this is part of what drove you away from it again is i got fucking irritated by everything everything because i wasn't stumbling around in a haze anymore trying to figure out what the fuck was going on i could pay attention to stuff and i realized that i couldn't stand a lot of the people i'd been hanging out with because everything they did was shitty and it annoyed me (laughs) no it,
1: it didn't it didn't like lift any haze or anything like that um I still retained hyper-focus. Well, yeah, I I still have that, too. um, It's like the reason that, the primary reason the idea for me to even take Adderall to begin with was to try to have, like, mental energy just so I could get through the day and not be worn out mentally from the everything for the ADHD. Mm -hmm. But that didn't help any. Um, And this is with, like, changes of doses and everything like that. I'm not saying that... I'm not saying that store-bought neurotransitors are a bad thing, and I'm not saying that they don't work.
0: Good, because we'd have to stop people. being
1: friends. Right. I I'm just... I just wonder if they until they go through and figure out a way to like, or I can figure out a way to like make sure I have something every day that they work for me because you just, is that like a walk around in a haze? But some days I can just
0: like sit in survival, so to speak. Everything is just so overwhelming. All the fucking time,
1: cause so basically it's just that I just think that because there's so far it's like with the drugs that many of the drugs that I had tried I had some type of reaction to, mm-hmm. them, which basically it's like nope don't take that anymore. It's not gonna work for <laughs> you. Um, uh, like for example, when I tried like some anxiety, some other things like Prozac, uh. Zoloff things like that. <clears throat> I got extremely jittery, mm-hmm. like bad jitters. So, and it's like it wasn't like just the first dose. Your body starts getting used to it. It's like, yeah, I can't, I can't function jittery. Um, the only thing that remotely even seemed to do anything was Wellbutrin, and after a while, even when I was taking it, it felt like nothing was happening. And I started get, I got to the point of, well, Butrin is like, we can't give you more of this. Because that's when it starts getting to toxic levels. Mm-hmm. I have this feeling that when it comes down to like medications and things like that, my body just gets used to it and just starts absorbing it. And, like, putting it away for later. Mm -hmm. Instead of actually using it at the time. Uh. Which is why I think that I have perfectly fine, even though I'm an overweight bastard, I have perfectly fine blood pressure, perfectly fine everything else. (laughs) Let's take all the good shit and save it for later when we need it.
0: (laughs) I can get that. Although you have, uh, you, you, you do have a stimulant coping mechanism on a much lower grade. Let's talk about your caffeine habit, shall we?
1: I want to say it's not really a habit.
0: Can you go without it? I have. It has How's your life? It doesn't seem to make any change that you observe you're with you all day all day all night all the fucking time it's really hard i've noticed to observe yourself unless you get into the practice of it and you know sometimes i have to check in with other people i have a panel of people i check in with and i'm like hey am i being extra stupid lately or extra weird and they'll talk um me about it, and I'm like, oh, thank you for the insight. I am glad that I have you around, because you're not going to bullshit me. You people know who you are. Uh, I had given up
1: caffeine, period, for a course of I would say a year and a half. Okay. Um, No soda, no coffee, no tea. Um, I started putting coffee back into my diet um, shortly after I got promoted. Because I was trying to find something that would keep me focused Mm -hmm. so I wouldn't lose focus because... One of my things with my job is it's got a lot of very self-starting things, Mm -hmm. and sometimes I would just, like, I would, either I would hyper-focus on one task, or I would wander off, so mm -hmm. to speak, in my own head when I should be multitasking. Mm -hmm. Um, so I started bringing coffee back there, um... The only thing that happened in that one that I could feel happened in that one and a half years is I lost a shit ton of weight.
0: Well, that's um, because you low down
1: your coffee. <laughs> no, no, that's because I lowed down my soda. Most of my caffeine I was getting was from
0: Coca-Cola. Yeah, no, that, that'll...
1: I, the reason I gave up coffee and tea at the same time because you said put so much sugar in them that if I didn't give those up, i just go back to soda. Mm-hmm. So you know how I joked about the Coke yeah. before? Uh, when I gave up soda, um, I gave up soda maybe about... I want to say, like... I gave up soda about two months after I moved out of my ex's mm-hmm. apartment. Um for about a month and a half I was basically having what was described by my therapist as heroin addict equivalent withdrawal some symptoms. Sugar's a hell of a drug. Um, yep. Um and my running joke was why did I give up soda soda never gave up me. <laughs> um because at the times, literally the only pleasure in my day was opening a new Coke
0: and drinking it. See, that's, that's not a good relationship to have with food. It isn't.
1: I got to the point that when I actually put on a 2XL shirt and I took a picture of it, I was like, that can't be me because I actually like look good I will I would occasionally I I went through and I showed that picture to my team a couple months ago and they're like holy shit bill was skinny <laughs> um I'm like no it's good angles just like people do on Instagram <laughs> um but uh, I regained all of that in the past year um and that's basically because of needing something to even remotely keep me going while I'm at work
0: well if you could drink black coffee like a grown ass adult you wouldn't have put all that weight back on shaming you i'm yeah, i'm being well, an elitist uh, coffee bitch and shaming you deal with
1: it i i, I know i know deal you are I, and i understand that I understand that people like your hot bean juice, um, but but I drink so much sugar in my stuff that it isn't working. It isn't healthy um, for you.
0: You've uh, negated the health benefits of coffee. Four cups of coffee a day have been proven to be good for you and to help your brain, except you ruin them with five pounds of sugar.
1: What I was getting ready to say is that I'm trying an alternative for at least while Mm -hmm. I work um, of the matcha tea, which has a good amount of caffeine, Mm -hmm. and I can drink without any added sugar. I'm
0: very proud of you for making this decision. I try not to be super overly effusively positive about your life at you in public, mostly because I know that you'll flail about it. But
1: um, I'm trying to do that more often.
0: How's it working? Um,
1: basically, I've realized that um, the lobby of Big T has made me buy something that I really didn't need um, to actually make this said T. Um, so other than that, it's okay, I think. Um, it's still a work in progress. But I haven't really gone to dunks except for like once in the past uh, week or so since I got my recent powders.
0: And you have to get it mixed up. Otherwise, it tastes like shit. Well, that's the thing. It's like you need to either need to use a a whisk
1: or you need to use a shaker. And I'm like, you know what you could also use? Uh, two two stirring straws and stirring... No, it's not the same. (laughs) It tastes exactly the same as they make it downstairs. (sighs) For what they make downstairs, because I drink it... Every every once in a while when I want something a little bit sweet, I'll get the matcha lemonade from downstairs. But the way that they make the tea with, with the shaker and everything like that and the matcha, I when I make it with just vigorously stirring with the two stirrers, it tastes exactly the same. Or at least I've trained myself to think it tastes exactly the same. You could
0: probably have trained yourself to think it tastes the same.
1: But I'm not adding sugar. That it's is it.
0: that I, I understand that's a critical part. There's a lot of teas you could drink that don't require sugar as well.
1: Yeah, but they taste like leaf juice.
0: The face <laughs> that I'm making... I just... Why am I friends with you? She asked for sugar. And the thing is, it's like... A Part of me hates
1: drinking tea, not because I hate uh, the joke about you juice, hate your life, but I would buy, I would buy, no, 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 no. this goes back to the mm-hmm. ex. I would buy her so much fancy tea that she enjoyed because she was like, I must have loose tea and uh, and just going through the whole tea shenanigans. Um, that a part of me is like, ugh, this is her drink. At the same time, I know she didn't drink
0: exactly what I'm drinking. So I'm like, I'm okay with this. Oh, so she's poisoned everything that could possibly give you joy. And she, every, everything she liked are things that I would like to have a, an impassioned conversation with you about, but I don't want to trip any fucking triggers. So I'm just going to have to kill her. <laughs> uh. It's a Highlander situation. I think there can line. be only one neurotic tea snob in your life and it's me now so I must get rid of others. A a friend
1: of mine had posted something about why would somebody have multiple tea kettles on multiple floors and they didn't understand it. And I explained exactly why. And I said, but I don't drink tea. My ex did. And they're like, oh,
0: crap. I'm sorry for
1: bringing it up.
0: (laughs) Well, I have an electric kettle. It lives upstairs on the kitchen counter. There are many tea drinkers in this house. My ex had an electric tea kettle in the office,
1: in the bedroom, in the basement. Okay, that's
0: too many. Because that's not honoring the tea.
1: Oh, she had a regular kettle down in the kitchen too. The only reason that she only used the electric tea kettle was in the morning when she was in a really big rush to get
0: to work. I used the electric kettle for even making coffee. I don't. It's not the electric kettle that's the problem here. It's the not. Giving the tea its own place and allowing the ritual of making the cup of tea to happen. Oh, she had, she had the tea's own place in
1: the bedroom, the tea's own place in the office, the tea's own place in the kitchen, the tea's own place in the basement. She had like a, a way to get it squared away properly in each of these rooms. <laughs>
0: She was a fanatic. <laughs> it, she's she joined a cult. She needs to call her dad. Someone needs to call her dad. She's in a cult. It's a one person cult. It, it, I would have done. I would have done that, but I, her parents never knew. <clears throat> now, see, there's your first problem with that relationship. You didn't. Yeah, I haven't. You seen, didn't deserve to exist. I
1: haven't. I haven't. I hadn't sent you the document of the X. So.
0: Well, I, I, I don't want to read it. I, I want to, because the, there's not enough emotional content there. Um, that's. You can re-interview me about my weirdness. After this, I have a feeling this is going to just be a series of conversations back and forth by the end of it. Are you aware we've been talking for two and a half hours almost? Yes, because I think that
1: about maybe an hour of this content is going to go on um, Patreon because it's all about you. Uh, (laughs) And the hour and a half will be be a mixture of silence and me trying to explain myself.
0: Well, the, the sharing stories back and forth has drawn you out a lot more than if I just said, Answer this question. Because you'd go, Duh, <laughs> um, words. Am I wrong? Because, <laughs> you know, I. Well,
1: the reason that I'm even sharing stories is because it's a
0: matter of deflecting. Yeah, I know. I know. So. But you. I, can't ask you straight out questions you don't answer them the thing is it's like it's not that I don't answer them
1: it's just hard sometimes to wrap my head around the question and I try to wrap my head around it first before getting clarification
0: so we're learning the interview we're learning the interviewee process through this possibly yep So it's not a complete wasted two and a half hours of time. (laughs) Which is good. At least you've got an hour and a half of content and a couple of fun outtakes. Um, But... Is there anything else that you want to know before we try to wrap up? Oh, yes, but we should try to wrap up. (laughs) I can always interrogate you sideways later. You've told me. You've told a lot of interesting things. Whether you realize it or not. Um, and I think that's the interesting thing about talk. Anytime I talk to you. Um, I learn more. And. It gives an insight into you. That I wouldn't otherwise get. In this format. Um Like, I could have asked you a bunch of questions about LARP, but why? That's just going to both, that's just going to rile us both up and make us both uncomfortable. Asking you about books is somewhere we can meet that's comfortable for us.
1: Well, see, it's like asking me about LARP, it's less about, would be less about making me feel uncomfortable on my side. It's it it's more the fact that I'm to the point that I feel like LARP is something I used to do. Mm-hmm. Because, which is making me cons- really seriously re- making sure I really consider my membership when it's due. I haven't LARPed in like a year and a half. Like, actually, truly, went to a LARP to LARP. So, what's the point of me giving $20 for something I'm not
0: doing anymore? And that, you know, that's a perfectly valid thing. Um, Yeah. I'm at a different point with it. And I don't want to be there again for the second time in 24 hours. Um, right.
1: <laughs> let's not yeah. go there then.
0: Which is why I kind of... it. It's not a relevant point of conversation for us anymore.
1: But it's one of those things where... Yeah, it's like... what? Are, I don't know. I'm at the point now where I need a complete entire
0: figuring out who i am and that's why this podcast mm-hmm. exists because you I, it's really fascinating to watch this process because i've lived a bit through it the whole figuring out um and watching you do that and watching you make connections with people and all that stuff is very interesting and I think in a couple months, if we come back to this conversation and we have another talk, that it'll be a com- you'll be a completely different person. No, well, we'll yeah, uh, it's the same you, but a different evolution of you. It's it's a complicated metaphysical metaphor that no one is going to care about but me.
1: Yeah, well, you know who's not gonna know about this podcast? Anybody that I might feature featured date for the longest time.
0: <laughs> Why? Why are you afraid of letting this vulnerability be a thing? No, I I just think I suck I it hate the sound of my voice too, but here we are. <laughs> so suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> <laughs> no
1: I, that's that's literally it I just think it's sound me too <laughs> um we're both trash. I'll, I'll let them know about the other I'll let them know about the other podcast <laughs> um